live in a world that is full of complexity, and uh, I'd like to read just one or two verses, maybe three, uh, two verses this morning, verses three and four, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and this is his second letter, and he's expressing some fear and some concern for certain things going on in the church there. And he says, but I fear, verse 3, but I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. And as Paul is writing this to the church, he's saying, listen, I'm, I'm nervous, I, I'm scared. Paul was the one that started this church, he founded it, he had been there uh, about 18 months uh, setting the foundation, he had sent other of his workers there to to ensure the church was going well. And there were a lot of problems in the Corinthian church. I mean, there were some big, big problems with immorality. You read 1 Corinthians, and a great portion of that book was dealing with immorality in the lives of the church members and how that had to be dealt with. And we come here and he said, listen, I'm, I'm afraid because the serpent beguiled Eve and tricked her out of the simplicity of God's word. Now, how many of you remember what God told Eve in the garden? Actually, God told Eve nothing. He told Adam and Adam told Eve. That was the way it worked. And, and God said, listen, there's one tree in the middle of the garden. You don't eat of it. But you're to dress and keep the trees of the garden. Now, that's pretty simple, isn't it? Does anybody remember the first thing Eve did when the devil talked to her? The devil said, you can't eat of the trees of the garden? He said, that's not true. God says we can eat of all the trees of the garden except for one. And you can't eat of it, neither can ye touch it, lest ye die. Now, did God say not to touch the tree? Absolutely not. If you've been through our discipleship, we, we go over that very thoroughly. Because here's what happened. Eve added just a little bit of human reasoning to God's Word. You see, God said you weren't supposed to eat of the tree. Now, wouldn't it be better if I never touched it? That makes sense now, doesn't it? Pretty smart. If I never touch it, I'll never eat it. But is that what God said? One of the foundations of all false religion is man's attempt to protect God's Word. People say, well, I know what the Bible says, but listen, we'll, we'll make this rule and it'll be easier for everybody. Let me tell you something. You cannot improve 
upon God's Word. God's Word doesn't need any help. It doesn't need protected. In fact, there is no book in history that's been attacked more than this book. That's been lied about. Uh, one of my favorite little quotes is that if everything were actually in the Bible, that everyone said was in the Bible, there'd be no library in the world big enough to hold the book. Uh, everybody says it's in the Bible, but it's not there. You can hold in your hand all of God's revelation to man. That that ought to excite you. That ought to be something that impresses your heart. To hold in your hands God's actual words. I don't know how many people over the years have said, well, Pastor, I, I think I might believe it if I could just hear God speak from heaven. Peter heard God speak from heaven twice. But you know what he said in the book of Second Peter? He said, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. He said, what is written down is better than what you can hear. Why do we meet every Sunday for the preaching of God's word? Because we need it, that's why. One Sunday isn't good enough. We need to be constantly reminded about what's in this book. And that one of the reasons we gather together is to find the words of this book and ask God to help us to live them. Now, uh, I don't think I need to say this for people that attend here regularly. We're not going to find out anything new today. Now, maybe we'll find some things new to you. But it's not going to be new because if it's new, it's not Bible. And if it's Bible, of course, it's not new. Amen? It's been around for a long time. And we live in a day, I, I've, I've listened uh, with some interest to uh, some of the happenings at the health care summit this week. Wow, was that amazing. You know what we found out? The Democrats still believe what they believe and the Republicans still believe what they believe. Are you shocked? <laughs> I mean, President Obama and, and those that are following him believe the government is the solution to all of our problems. Uh, I'll just give you my opinion. I, I believe that the government is at the root of all of our problems. Uh, I think we need to Reduce a little government, and I think we'll live a little better than we would if government is more in charge. But that's just my opinion. No one asked, so I figured I'd give it here where somebody might listen to it, right? But the simple truth is, how many times when they're describing the health care debate have you heard the word complex? I mean, this is a complex problem, and it's going to take a lot of work to solve it. And I wouldn't doubt that a bit. It is a complex problem. If you have to take care of your own health insurance, let me tell you something. That is a complex issue. And uh, But Paul says, listen, I'm, I'm concerned. 
that you might be beguiled from the simplicity that is in Christ. And we have a lot of complexity in the field of religion today. I mean, we have voices everywhere saying all kinds of things. And one of the uh, things that people hear, the, the clarion call of our day, if we want to use that term, is that we need to drop our differences and find unity in the body of Christ. Well, I want to challenge you today. How can you find unity in this so-called body of Christ when you have people who believe the Bible's the Word of God and people who don't believe the Bible's the Word of God? How can you have unity between those? How can you have unity between someone who believes that you get saved by being dipped in water and someone who says you get saved by doing good works? That, well, that's certainly one of them, but you need a lot more than baptism. How do you find agreement with these people? How do you find agreement between genuflecting from right to left and genuflecting from left to right? That's the big Orthodox Catholic argument that's been going on for about a thousand years. I like the biblical answer. You can't find genuflecting in the Bible at all. Don't do it. Solves the problem. Boy, that's simple, isn't it? You see, complexity is often what we call a subterfuge or a covering for deceit. Do you know why certain members of the congressional delegation had to excuse themselves from the health care summit to go make a vote? It's because I believe it was in the Senate, there was a bill there that was to reduce the ability of our CIA to interrogate prisoners overseas. And they were trying to get that bill passed in the dark of night under the guise of the health care plan. You see, the health care summit was meaningless. What they were actually trying to do was keep our intelligence agents from being able to interrogate prisoners overseas and stop terrorist activities. You say, you really think they're trying to destroy this country? No. I think what the problem is, is they're driven by an ideology that says, we can't do anything but ask for name, rank, and serial number, and if they blow us up, well, that's our problem. Well, I'm sorry, I don't believe that. Now, I don't believe in torture. I don't know any righteous or honest person that does. But let me tell you something. We've got to get past this complexity and get back to some simplicity in our country, or we're not going to have a country. It's just that simple. That's why you need to pray. You need to pray for our president. And I'll tell you, God's, God's people are praying and it's working. Health care has not passed. It's, it's working. Cap and trade has not passed. Card check has not passed. These are, these are very destructive policies. Now, I'm not preaching about politics this morning. I'm just telling you that what we have going on is a very complex 
um, uh, making everything extremely complex so that people can do things that are just plain dishonest. That's what happened in Wall Street. That no one understands what those people were doing. And it happens in religion. Now, if we can turn our minds from the complexity of our society back to the Word of God, and then we'll go back at the end, and I think we can make some applications to the world in which we live. Here's what he said in verse 4. He said, For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. Now, here we go. He says, For he that cometh preacheth another Jesus. Now, this may shock some of you, but the Bible has said this very clearly. There are many Jesuses in this world. There are many Christ in this world. There are many people who claim to have the truth, the answers from God. When is the last time you saw one of those, um, oh, what did they call themselves, uh, the black Israelites? You know who I'm talking about, the guys that stand there in the white robes? When is the last time you saw one of those guys standing on the street corner saying, I'm a liar! I am teaching total garbage! Do you ever see that happen? No. But they are liars, and all they teach is garbage. But they're not going to tell you that. They're going to say, I have the truth. And I've even seen them waving Bibles in the air. But they don't know anything in this book called the Bible. Nothing. I have had one of them tell me, says, you're a descendant of Esau. I'm a descendant of Israel. He said, Esau was a hairy man, and you're hairy, and I'm not. And I said, man, if that's all the better you can do, you better go get something else. But that's where they go. You know why? Because they're preaching another Jesus. How about a Jesus? I'm not trying to be unnecessarily offensive, but I want us to look at this. There is a Jesus that is preached today that is cruel and vindictive and judgmental in everything that he does. The only way that you can impose upon his sympathies is to have his mother go and talk to him for you. Now, you'll never hear it put that way in the Orthodox or the Catholic churches, but that's what they say. That's not the Jesus of Scripture. The Jesus of Scripture is the one who loved us enough to die in our place. You turn on TBN, and if you listen to John Avanzini, you'll hear of a Jesus that wears Rolex watches and designer jeans and had so much money 
that he had to have 12 disciples guarded. Now that's blasphemy. That is not the Jesus of the Bible, my friend. I'll tell you, I, I hope I never see this shirt, but I, I have seen it on occasion. And I just have to comment. It says, Jesus is my homie. That's blasphemy as well. That's another Jesus. Jesus is not your buddy. He's not your friend. He's not going to sit there and listen to you tell your dirty stories and smoke pot in the back room and play a deck of poker with you. That's not the Jesus of this book called the Bible. Yet that is the Jesus that's being described. I'll tell you, the most seductive Jesus that we have out there today is the one that's here to make your life better. Jesus is going to help you. He's going to give you the desires of your heart. The Bible says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. He is here to make you feel better about life. He is here to help you find your truly actualized self. You ever heard that? Just turn on Joel Osteen. He'll, he'll tell you all that stuff. Get Rick Warren's book. Let me tell you, Jesus is not here to help you. Jesus is not here to be your servant. He is the one by whom the worlds were made. He is the one who is the truth. He is the life. And by the way, He's the only way to God. He's not just one of many. He is the only Savior mankind has ever known. That's what the Bible teaches. You see, the simplicity that is in Christ is that Jesus, who is the eternal God in human flesh and bodily form, came to earth. He lived 33 and a half years. He lived such a human life that when the Pharisees saw Him, the religious leaders of His day, they said, you blaspheme because you being a man make yourself God. And he said, now wait a minute. My father, of whom ye say that he is your God, sent me. You see, if you listened to my father, you would believe in me. Do you remember what he told in the story of the rich man and Lazarus? The rich man cried out from hell and said, send Lazarus to tell my brothers. Here was Abraham's answer. They have Moses and the prophets. They have the Word of God. He said, but they won't listen to the Word of God. Abraham told him, he said, listen, if they won't listen to the Word of God, they wouldn't listen to someone who rose from the dead either. You see, this is simple. Everything else is really complicated. You see, Jesus came to do one thing. For the Son of Man has come to seek 
and to save that which was lost. How many of you remember when you were lost? Do you remember when Jesus saved you? You know what? Jesus won't save an unlost person. Jesus won't save a righteous person. As long as you think it's what you're doing and how good you are that pleases God, you cannot have Bible salvation. It's that simple. You've got to give up everything you are, everything you want to be, everything you think, and believe on Jesus Christ. I can't tell you how many people over the years have told me, Pastor, it's too simple to be saved. No, it's not too simple. It's the way Jesus planned it. You see, let's just stop and look at something this morning if we could. If you could get saved by doing good works, how many good things do you have to do to take care of the wrong things that you've done? There's no scale in the Bible. It doesn't tell us because God never intended it. But this is what people say. And so I just want to ask you a question. How many good things do you have to do to take care of the wrong things that you've done? Then I want to remind you of something. How many of you can remember all the wrong things that you have done this past week? Raise your hand. I've just shown you what to do because my memory is not that good. Well, what if you forget something? Is God going to send you to hell because you forgot something? How complicated is that, my friend? How complex is it to try to pay for your sins compared to letting Jesus Christ pay for them for you? Well, you talk about simple. Things get simple now, don't they? You see, in the Corinthian church, there were people coming in and they were just teaching all kinds of things about Jesus. In Thessalonica, just a few miles north there on the, in, in the land of Greece, someone had written a letter and signed Paul's name to it saying that Jesus had already come, the resurrection was past, and you're stuck here on earth forever. It says, and overthrew the faith of some. You will always hear when they preach another Jesus, you'll always hear how complicated it is. When you preach just what the Bible says, it's so simple that people say, that's too hard. No. Just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, and thou shalt be saved. And anybody that you know and thy house, if they're old enough to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they can be saved too. All you have to do is believe on Him. But here's where it gets complicated. Well, I, I believe in Jesus and I know He's my Savior, but i got to live a good life. Question 
Could you live a good life before you got saved? No. How are you going to live a good life after you're saved? You've got to let Jesus live it for you. It's just that simple. The Jesus of the Bible doesn't need any helpers. The Jesus of the Bible came to obey the words of this book. That's why he died on the cross. That's why he never transgressed at one time any of the 613 laws in the Old Testament. That's why Jesus rose again from the dead, because the Bible said so. And we'll touch on that in a minute. But he said, listen, if you... There's going to be people that come, they're going to preach another Jesus. There are people that preach that Jesus was a great teacher, a great prophet, but he's really not the Son of God. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible is my Savior. He's the one that saved me. It's not me. It's all about Him. Amen? What's the next one? If we look at verse 4, it just lays it out. Everything that Every false religion that you're going to run into is laid out here in one verse in the Bible. It says, He that cometh and preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit which ye have not received. Now, there's an awful lot of talk about the Holy Spirit of God today. There's an awful lot of things going on that are speaking, the the Spirit did this and the Spirit led me here. And I'll tell you what, you listen to some of those preachers and and you would think uh, that the Holy Spirit of God just literally reaches down and grabs them by the shoulder and takes them and leads them wherever He wants them to go. And that would be wonderful if it were true. How many of you remember the story of Mr. Benny Hinn in Jerusalem? He said, I just feel the Spirit of God here in a, in a really meaningful way. Show us a sign that you're here. And all of a sudden, this little flock of pigeons just fluttered down out of the sky, flew over the crowd and Whisk away and everyone. Oh, wow. And someone was standing there going, Look at that sign from heaven. He said, Yeah, it was pretty good. I was the guy that let go of the pigeons. Benny Hinn hired him, stand on a rooftop, and when the words got right, he opened up the cage and shooed the pigeons out. You see, he could arrest you for libel for that. Or sue you or whatever. Well, he's not going to listen to me preach, but if he's foolish enough to open that one up, we'll find the people who were in Jerusalem and solve that problem right away. Listen, there are people out there that tell you you have to have a certain feeling if the Holy Spirit of God is in you. You have to do certain things. You have to uh, experience certain phenomena if the Holy Spirit of God is there. Here's what the Bible says. It says the Holy Spirit of God seals you unto the day of salvation. It says the Holy Spirit of God in John chapter 16 is going to guide you into all truth. How are you going to find out all truth? By reading this book. 
You say, but, but don't, don't you believe that the Spirit can speak to you? Yes. The Spirit speaks to you through the written Word of God. To understand these words is the Holy Spirit of God speaking to you. It's not a premonition or a feeling or something that comes over you. Because the world is full of voices and influences and premonitions. There are many, many people in this world today that are troubled because they hear voices and sometimes people make fun of them and laugh. And I don't mean to do that in any way this morning because it's real. What has happened is you've allowed yourself to be tuned into the wrong frequency. If you want the voices to go away, if you want God to speak to you, get your life so full of this book called the Bible, there's no room for anything else. That's not as easy said. I mean, that's not as easy done as it is said, let me tell you that. But don't get caught up in some experience, some phenomena some miraculous happening. We do not need any proof today that what is in this book is true. It was proved in the lives that are recorded in the pages of this book. We don't need another spirit. What we need is the Spirit of God. It's an amazing thing to me I've never heard of any, and if you have, you let me know because I'd I'd like to have it documented. I've never heard of any of these preachers that preach about the Spirit of God and talk about the Holy Spirit making you speak in tongues and have visions and see things and experience things and all of this. I've never heard of one of those men get up, or, or women as the case may be, get up in a pulpit and say, listen... When the Spirit of God comes on you, you're going to be able to win another soul to Christ. You're never going to hear him say that, but what does it say in Acts chapter 1-8? You're going to receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you're going to be witnesses unto me. Not unto Benny Hinn. Not unto... Any of these other people that are out there. Does anybody remember Ernest Angley? Is he still around? Probably never heard of him, but he was the one that bought the Cathedral of Tomorrow, Cathedral of Tomorrow after Rex Humbart was done with it, I guess, and changed the name. It was, it was quite an interesting thing there. But they make all of these claims about themselves. The Holy Spirit of God's going to teach you what the Bible says. You know, does anybody here know who Bill Hyvels is? Willowbrook Community Church. He made a statement a while back. He was one of the leaders of this new seeker friendly church movement type thing. And he says, You know, we made a mistake. We should have taught people that they need to read the Word of God and understand it for themselves. Amazing. 
Open Door Bible Baptist Church has been doing that ever since we've been in existence. And you know what? The reason why we do it is because that's what the Bible tells us to do. And I saw my preacher who's been preaching for over 50 years do that for all of his 50 years. But it's not because my preacher did it. It's because the Bible says to do it. You see, the Spirit of God will help you understand what's written down in this book. Please don't get upset with your preacher. Because you ask me if you want a book to explain the Bible. How many of you know my answer? The Bible. But I don't understand it. I'm not trying to be smart, Alec. Take it for this is the truth. You want to understand... Pick a book in the New Testament. Pick a small one. Take the book of First John. Believe it or not, the, God, the first book of First John, five chapters long, presents some of the most difficult to understand theological points in all of the Scripture. But if you will read that book three times a day, each day of this coming week, you'll find out that you understand more about the gospel of 1 John than most commentators do. But you've got to get it in you. Somebody says, well, I, I read the Bible and it just doesn't make any sense to you. Listen, after you've read through the Bible about 20 times, let me tell you, it'll start making sense cover to cover. But most people don't want to work that hard. It's simple to read. Amen? Has anyone here ever seen an exegetical commentary? Have you ever tried to read one of those things? Don't waste your time. But they are. You say, what's an exegetical commentary, by the way? Well, that is a book that's written about the Bible by someone who's supposed to know all the original languages and supposed to have studied ancient literature and be able to correlate all the points and all the sayings of the ancient fathers and put all this together in one big pot of goo. Because that's what you get when you're all done. And I've got hundreds of them on my computer that I can consult at any moment. But you see, I don't want to be confused. I want to read the Bible. Because this is where the answers are. And the Holy Spirit's job is to help you understand the Bible. If you would just pray and say, God, will you help me understand the Bible as I read it? Let me tell you, God will do that. And you know what it'll do? It'll produce the simplest things in your life. Now, I know it was snowy today and there were things that had to be done. But was it that complicated to get to church this morning? That was pretty simple, right? Even if you had to take the trains and all of that, you, you could get here. It's not complicated. You know what? You're going to get a blessing just being around God's people today. You're going to get a blessing if you get into God's Word because that's where the simplicity is. The Holy Spirit of God is to teach us. Guess what? The Holy Spirit of God helps us to pray. He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. How many of you could use a little more answered prayer in your life? 
I could. You know what I need to do? I need to get in tune with the Holy Spirit of God. Do you know how I get in tune with the Holy Spirit of God? Ask Him to help me understand this book called the Bible. Paul told the Galatians in Galatians chapter 3, Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye made, now made perfect by the flesh? You see, that's another spirit that is not the Spirit of God. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. It says here in verse 4, It says, For he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel. It's amazing. There's no such thing as another gospel, but everyone has one. The word gospel simply means good news. What is the good news according to the Scripture? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you turn back just a few pages in your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It says, Moreover, brethren, verse 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, and which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, here it is, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that He was buried, and then on the third day, I'm sorry, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the gospel. There are many gospels out there today. There's the gospel of prosperity. Now, I don't think I have to preach that to many people here because not very many of us are prosperous as far as the world is concerned. But there's a gospel that says if you're right with God, you're going to have money in the bank and you're going to have brand new fur coat every year and a big fancy car. and Whatever you want, God will give you. That's not the gospel of the Bible. That's another gospel. There's a gospel out there that says you can be healed from all of your diseases and be perfectly healthy all the time. It's interesting who preached that gospel. How many have ever heard of Mary Baker Patterson Glover Eddy? Mary Eddy. She had eight different husbands. And she claimed that you could live a perfectly healthy life. But she's dead. Oral Roberts claimed that God could heal you from all of your diseases, and then he built a hospital. Isn't that confusing to you? It is to me. If God could really heal you of all your diseases, why would you build a hospital? Well, I'll tell you why we build a hospital. Is is because God's given man some ability to help us with some of our illnesses, and we should take advantage of that. Amen? But my foremost thought, is not to the doctor or the surgeon or the medicine. My foremost thought is to God. I've never seen a faith healer go into the hospital ward. If they can really heal people, why don't they show up at the emergency room? 
That's where they're needed. Amen? But they're not going there because it won't work there. Only work with people who have faith. Uh, Jesus worked everywhere he went. Amen? And Jesus said that some people are supposed to have physical suffering in this life. Some people, one man was born blind. Why? So that the glory of God could be showed in his life. That's what Jesus said. Listen. What is your good news? What is the best thing in your life? That's the gospel. If the best thing in your life is anything other than the fact that Jesus Christ, the God of heaven, died on the cross, was buried and rose again the third day to save me from my sins, that's the only good news I know. They can't tax salvation. Amen? They can't take away what God has done. That's the gospel. People get together. And here's the good news. They want to feel good when they leave. Now, I hope you feel good when you leave this church. If you're saved, you ought to believe with a different perspective. And life is simple in Christ. If you're not saved, you're probably not going to leave very happy. But if you get saved, you could leave happy. Amen? You see, the last part of that verse says, you might well bear with him. Paul said, listen, I'm afraid that you're going to listen to some man preaching himself for his own doctrine and not listen to the Word of God. It is amazing to me how many people are out there. How many quote-unquote gurus. How many uh, religious leaders. The Dalai Lama is supposed to bring peace to the world. And I'm not here to make fun of the Dalai Lama, but I don't think he's done near as good a job as Jesus has. And Jesus hasn't lived on this earth in almost 2,000 years. Uh, Islam is supposed to be religion of peace. But of all the wars going on in this world today, they are involved in about 95% of them. Not very peaceable. You see, it's easy to be swayed by someone who comes with a fancy program and entertainment and all of these things that go on today. I want to tell you something this morning. This is the only important thing in this room today. It is not the preacher. I'm a signpost. I've been pointing the same direction all these years because there's only one direction to point. You see, the message ought to take precedent over the messenger. But the world always has it reversed. 
They say, you need to believe the message because of the messenger. No, Jesus was the messenger. We're just errand boys. We're preaching the same thing that he taught his disciples. You see, that's simple, is it not? We don't need some big denominational hierarchy all the time. Get phone calls. Well, you know, uh, where's your headquarters at? Lady called from the bank and said, "Well, we just want to know about your 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 church and how you do business." And I tried to explain some of the things that we do and a little bit about mission. Well, wow, how do you do that? Do you have other uh, other locations? And I said, "No." I said, we're just an independent church. How do you do your fundraising? I said, we just take up an offering Sunday morning. Um, how, how do you deal with the socioeconomic, political problems of our world? Now, she didn't ask that question. But I knew that was one somebody here is eager to ask that they have the question to. Now, here's how we deal with all of those things. You see, if I can be simple in Jesus Christ, I'm not going to be deceived with all the complexity that the world claims it needs to get done what they're trying to do. It's just that simple. You may disagree with my political views, and I welcome you to do that. All I'm simply saying this morning is I want a simple life in Jesus Christ. He saved me when I was a young boy and He still saved me now that I'm a grown man. And you know what? He'll still save me when I become an old man because He's the Savior. It's that simple. The Spirit of God was given to me the moment I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. He's helped me to understand this book called the Bible, and my job is to teach it. And I challenge you to go through this message today and what we've taken out of the Scripture, what we've compared. I challenge you. If I've spoken something in error, I will get up here and apologize for it. But Benny Hinn does not teach The Spirit of God, as is in the Bible, he teaches a different one. John Avanzini does not teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He teaches a gospel whose ultimate gain is to make you rich and wealthy in this world's possessions. All of these people running around saying you need to speak in tongues and you need to have an experience and you need to have a dream and you need to have a vision. Listen. You need to obey the words that are written down. Once you get that taken care of, then you can worry about the rest. But I promise you, if you get that taken care of, you won't be worried about the rest. Because Christ is simple. The gospel is simple. And it's not the messenger. It's Jesus. He's God's messenger. He is the living truth. And we're here today to worship Him. But here's how you worship Him. First, you get saved. 
Then you get baptized. Then you serve him in his church. And you stop worrying about everything going on in the world around you. And when it, whatever it is, happens, you'll be close enough to God to be prepared. That's how simple it is. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. And Lord, I pray. And I know that some of the things that were said this morning could be very offensive. And I I pray that people would understand that I'm a human being just as they are. But that they would be able to see how simple things are in Christ. And Lord, when things get complicated, that you would open their eyes to see the liars at work. Lord, we need you to work in our hearts and in our souls today. We need you to protect us from the deception that is in this world. And we ask that you would help each one of us here to live that simple life that you have for us. Lord, we know there are people here today that are not saved. Lord, my prayer is that today would be the day of their salvation. And if something in their heart is keeping them from that decision, that it would just be another step on the way to bring them closer to the Savior, closer to just letting loose of all this world and all of the complexity and everything that is there and just letting Jesus do all the work of saving them. Lord, we pray that we would not allow ourselves to be susceptible to false spirits, but we would get ourselves in the Word of God and let the Spirit of God teach us what it says. And Lord, that the best news, the good news, the greatest news of our life that we would never, ever get over our salvation. Lord, help us not to look at men, but to look to the God-man, Christ Jesus, our Lord. We pray that you'd have your will in this time of invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.